The following podcast has been made possible by the generous members of our Patreons. So if you like our podcast, you want to join in and contribute and find mountains of other content while you're there, join in at patreon.com forward slash Ian Boltsworth and patreon.com forward slash burials and beyond. Thank you. Welcome to Loopholes, episode 5, your weekly discussion podcast on all things esoterotic. I am Dr Ian Bullsworth, hello. And I am Kate Cheryl. That's better, isn't it? So that sounds better. Because yeah. I think I sound more like I know what I'm on about. You do have a certainty about you. A brash authority mm-hmm. that disguises my weaknesses. Right, <laughs> whereas I'm more feminine and exciting. Right. And are you going to rely on femininity to get yourself across and your points across as valid? And is that that's going to be your main tool? Yeah, via an audio medium. Flutter yes. your eyelids, <laughs> not yeah. your eyelashes, just your eyelids. <laughs> yeah, well, it was use my femininity or a series of swimming certificates. Yeah, so. okay. Do you find is it an impediment to being taken seriously mm. that you are like a lass and that? <laughs> That's actually yeah. a genuine question. No, it, I know, and it, I, I think however I respond, there'll be people going, oh, I bet, from all camps. Right. But in certain fields, definitely. Yeah. A lot of things that I do that are public-facing, like I do a lot of lectures, private groups and societies and, and businesses, things like that, and depending on the clientele mm. or the audience there, I have to win the audience round. Yeah, we had a discussion, didn't we, uh, when you were filming a forthcoming television appearance? Yeah. Because within that show, you are the girl on it. Yes. There's also a boy. Yeah. You're the girl on it, yep. and the boy is the boy on it. Yes. And at the time you were filming it, I saw another show mm-hmm. which had a boy on it and yeah. a girl. Yeah. As in the same situation as you, I guess. The mm. boy was kind of known already. Yeah. And yeah. the girl was an unknown already. Mm. And I remember speaking to you about it and being like, I don't know how you could do this, but try and make sure it's not like this. Yeah. <laughs> because she was really, yeah. it felt like she was really being wheeled out as the girl. Yeah, I think it can be really intimidating. Yeah. I think if you don't, well, as if I'm speaking like I'm a veteran, I've done one TV show that's gone to series. Right. I think if you go into these things without your head screwed on, without thinking, I need to make sure I'm talking, that I'm making myself known throughout yeah. this, it will be really easy to fall into the trap of just being the girl one who says yeah. a token line here and there. Yeah, again, I'm tying it into what I said last week about that I'd noticed from my experience mm. that a lot of people that were big believers and were well into it were girls. Yes. Or ladies or whatever. Yeah. You know, so you've got that other thing going on as well, which is like, oh, here we go, another girl banging on about ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just my personal. Yeah. That's how I will respond to I... it when it broadcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I don't think that girl heavy belief group is really represented though in media right necessarily i think it is still quite male weighted but i think that's maybe because tv shows have been wanting to use like i say well-known figures often people i find who have no indication of ever having any interest in any of this Mm. at any point yeah but then again that brings us to the yvette fielding quandary whereas yvette fielding as we mentioned the other week 
Yeah. This was her second career yeah. after being a kids' TV presenter, essentially, mm. or a presenter. Yeah. But I think it would be fair to say it is something she's interested in. Yeah, you know? definitely. It is something she knows something about. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how much. I've got no idea. Yeah, and I, I don't want to come across as saying girls can't be the tech-minded one. Girls can't know. Girls, women can't yeah. know about. You know, they can't be scholars, they can't be academics, they, you know. Because they certainly can, but also I do feel that, certainly in fields of the, the paranormal, it can be still very gendered and there can be a bit of a glass ceiling, even when you're talking about something utterly ridiculous. Yeah. But with that TV show I did, I've, I've got to say that everyone in it, from my co-host through to all the crew, everyone else that came in, they were lovely. Yeah. They were really encouraging. So I think I, I really struck lucky with that. And there was only one individual who briefly came in. And I don't know if they're going to make the cut, who even the crew had to stop for a minute and go, did you see that? <laughs> And perhaps as well, well, we're being quite vague here now, aren't we? Yes, we we kind of have to be, I suppose. So we won't go on about it too much. When you told me what had happened, Mm. that didn't seem to have anything to do with esoteroticism or anything like that. Mm. It was just that he was like that sort of bloke. Yeah, it had nothing to do with paranormal. It was to do with his personal failures, let's say that. Blimey. (laughs) Really didn't like him. Not many people (laughs) kick off about a TV show that's not even been announced yet, (laughs) is there? Digging your oar in straight away. It's so bad. But everyone else was lovely. Yeah. Please. First word. I make sure I have first word. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, should we do feedback? We'll do feedback early yes. doors again, I think. Always think if you don't do it early doors, there's a chance that you'll forget to do it at all. So, how yeah. was the feedback? How was it? Do you know what? Let's not yeah. have feedback from my patron this week. Let's have feedback just from your patron. What was the feedback? Okay. From just your patron. Just mine. Just mine. Paul Kenny, who is my best friend. Uh, hang on, Paul Kenny's on my patron. Yeah, but he's well. also on mine, so I'm having this one. Okay, what does it say? He said, in regards to our new citizenship yeah. on Lamb Island, yeah. he said, Citizens rise up. I'm not sure how we will all fit. So that's about Urigella's Island that we discussed yes. last week. Could you cross-reference that with Paul's comment on my Patreon as well, please? Look, we, we, read what that says. Uh, he said, citizens rise up. Are we all allowed to visit at the same time? Okay, so what's happened there, Paul? Lovely comment, thanks for it. But your two comments have cancelled each other oh. out. <laughs> so, so now we're down to how many? I mean, I presume you've got quite a lot more comments Just, on your Patreon. Yeah, Craig Harrison said, "Brilliant episode, thanks very much." Also, oh, so what did Craig Harrison say on my Patreon? Though, if you could just cross <laughs> reference. Uh, he said another belter of an episode. Many thanks. So if anything, he enjoyed it Same more. Same sort of listening thing. on yours. Yeah, I still think those two comments cancel each other out. Right. Okay. So what are we left with from the on Patreon mine? comments on mine? There's loads. <laughs> Stephen Brindley said, I really love this podcast. Thanks, Stephen. Uh, John said, another great episode. Thanks for... Don't you start being all surly with I'm my patrons. I'm not being surly. I'm being very thankful I'm and loving. I'm not having that. You know, well, thank you, Stephen. Nothing. That was genuine. I'm not bothered being on my Patreon. <laughs> I think that's lovely. Okay. John M said, another great episode. Thanks for replying to my questions. Pleasure. Pleasure. Nick Donnelly said, he binged all four episodes yep. in one go. Great stuff. Interesting, intelligent, thought-provoking and funny. Can't wait to see where this series goes next. I thought I was going to say, interesting, intelligent, thought-provoking and Kate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting to that stage Nick, now yeah. where I'm getting a bit kind of fighty. I want, you know, okay. I want a bit of confrontation. Now. Right, okay. But I know we're trying not to do that, so I'll try and rein it in. Um, I'm looking really for discussion points. Is there yeah, that... oh, there's, there's loads. There were some okay. really great comments, really, that um, would have sparked whole discussions in themselves. Okay. So Annette Truby agrees that there there are safeguarding issues around ghost and poltergeist cases. And she said that the, the YouTube channels that scare their kids and pets for views are on her 
hit list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That even when the kids are in on the joke, it's easy for them to convert that understanding into kind of false memories of real yeah. events. Because it's kids, isn't it? And, they, and it appears they don't understand. There's certainly a lot of family channels on YouTube that have been deplatformed yeah. because of that. Because once or twice having a laugh with your kids and... and playing a joke I think most people would think that's absolutely all right yeah but when it becomes your career is making your kids cry on YouTube I think quite rightly that their content should be called into question when it's causing genuine harm well you know maybe not physical but certainly psychological all I can think of though I don't have children I'm not going to have children all I can think of is if I had children yeah defo would be my YouTube (laughs) channel (laughs) Come on, we are going to East Drive. (laughs) I've had loads of fun here before. Uh, We also have some really good discussion points from Tango as well. And he said that he thinks personally that part of the reason that he's fascinated by communities that gather around like the paranormal, conspiracy or or supernatural things is due to the way that it can hide some very dark real world goings on. And he raised a really good point saying that he was listening to some other podcasts that were discussing um, like an alien abduction case. Right, okay. And they were listening to some genuine evidence, some recordings of someone recounting their experience. Mm. And that person was in genuine distress. And the hosts of said podcast focused more on the silliness of it rather than acknowledging that the, the real emotional and mental impact of a perceived phenomena. I mean, he lost me at I was listening to another podcast. I know. However, <laughs> I think that's going to come up quite a lot today, that sort of idea. So yeah. we don't really need to address that directly. That It's a great comment, absolutely bang on the money. Mm. And that's sort of what we're talking about. But I think what we're going to talk about today, because we're looking at kind of ethics around, not just ghost hunting, but just a, a, as a general thing yeah. of when people go off and do their hobby, mm. that will certainly come into discussion then. And I think it'll certainly come into discussion in the celebrity seance as well. Yes. The idea of where's the line drawn when somebody is in deep distress. Yeah. Yeah. When does entertainment tip over into exploitation? Yeah. So like the kids' videos, exactly the same yeah. thing again. But Chucker's completely right. That I guess was the point that was made last week. I think because of the nature of the discussion we were having last week, I was tagging it directly onto Poltergeist and, yes. and that sort of thing. But... It's a far-reaching thing, and it's not just with ghosts, it's with religion as well. I mean, how many choir boys finish that sentence yourself? Yes. You know, smoke screens all over the place, often mm. hiding nefarious things going on. And I think I'm quite keen to point out as well, as someone who's been a party pooper about all this stuff, I'm not at all saying this with a blanket. I'm not mm. saying this is always there's something nefarious going on it could just simply be for their own entertainment or because they actually believe it or whatever it is yeah so i'm not saying it's definitive i'm saying that it's a weird thing to me that ghost hunting gets a pass yes yeah definitely that's that's going to be one of our big big discussion points today what are we going to discuss today so today we're going to be discussing the world of paranormal ethics and kind of investigators in burial spaces oh yeah which I think is something that both of us are party poopers about to okay. an extent. Okay. Oh, there's one more comment, by the way. Go on. Barry Jones says, in the podcast art, what are you holding? Torch. Welcome to Loopholes, episode five. <laughs> Feels quite weird to do an episode just about paranormal ethics or ethics in the esoterotic field. Yeah. Because I think ethics is something that gets applied pretty much every week. But I also think it's probably worth giving it an episode. Definitely. I I think it's quite pertinent at the minute as well. Right. Because 
of kind of the the growing online field mm. of paranormal kind of personalities. Yeah. And paranormal ethics, as it is, is, is a huge discussion point. Certainly, a bit of a hot topic at the minute. It's what everyone's kind of chiming in with. So, what's the state with that? Because I'm not really on social media, mm-hmm. as in actively on it. Yeah. Occasionally, do an advert for Patreon on it. Yeah. But I'm not kind of keyed into it anymore mm-hmm. at all so where's the how does the land lie in terms of esotericism as a lucrative hobby let's say yeah I, well i think over the last few years people have really realized that there is money to be made yeah. it's not just a case of people courting fame and followers whereas yeah. that obviously still happens you know with with instagram and with tiktok and things like that although that is far more of a show and receive likes yeah sort of of setup there's less interaction between the viewer and and the presenter. Whereas Facebook, although it's not the most popular social media platform with a lot of younger people nowadays, that's where a lot of the the money can be made, where a lot of the audiences can be built up, particularly Mm. through live investigations and Facebook Live. So live streams of individuals going into a particular environment, you know, taking their equipment, conducting seances, Mm. that sort of thing, or taking their cameras and things along to an organised ghost hunt or, or so forth. And and broadcasting that. Alongside there are, of course, a lot of weekly live-streamed discussion and and critical shows on Facebook as well. It really does feel like a world within a world. If you didn't know that this world was existing within Facebook, that it was so huge and it was so so gossipy and so aggressive and and kind of unregulated. So like me, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. And it's huge and... It's lawless, and that's not to tar everyone with before we but even all get social going. Social media is lawless, ultimately, isn't it? Yeah, that's the nature of the beast. So Which no I matter think... what people are talking about, yeah, they're going to be ridiculous. Of course, and I think and that's inhuman. fine. Inhuman, it's... subhuman, <laughs> subhuman scum. They're going to be. So I think that's fine if we're talking about opinions. Oh, so do you mean in terms of like groups infighting against each other and all that sort of business? Yes, really. Yeah, there's. It amazes me that people in the paranormal aren't more litigious. Right, okay. Because there have been, and there continue to be, many live-streamed, like, opinion shows um, based in paranormal fields where people will just rip chunks out of each other under the guise of we're helping by raising profiles and things. But it's because it's all a business, isn't it? I mean, this is the thing that frustrates me enormously, really, when you have people say, well, this is my belief system, this is what I believe, and this proves it, and X, Y, Z, and all that sort of thing. But that doesn't really come into play when there are tactical business things going on. Absolutely, yeah. About it. I remember when I made the Parapod film, I remember Mm -hmm. speaking with a producer who says that he believes in all that, and I have no reason to doubt him. You know, Mm -hmm. he says he believes in the paranormal and things. And it was brought up a lot to weight that film because that film was basically a sceptic, which was me versus a believer. Yes. That was the premise of the Parapod, the original mm-hmm. podcast as well. And it was a comedy thing, but there were some serious points mm. and blah, 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 yeah. blah. But, so I directed the film and the, the producer and I would discuss it quite a lot where he would, I guess, kind of gently try and nudge me towards weighting it a bit more mm. in the unknown or, well, maybe, you know, leave it a bit open-ended. Yeah, the footage I had... It's pretty conclusive. Yes. You know, yeah. the, the, the stuff that I'd gone out and shot was pretty conclusive. Mm. Just in terms of what had happened, it yeah. was, you know, there was nothing nothing to see here. Mm-hmm. And what was quoted to me quite a lot was, I can't even remember the numbers, but it was like, there are this many million people who believe in it in the mm-hmm. world. 
yeah. which converts to this many hits and this many views and all this yeah. sort of business. And I was always like, well, I don't, that's not really what I'm aiming for yeah. with this. No, I mean, I want everybody to be able to watch and enjoy it on some yeah. level, but I wasn't aiming for, oh, let's grab that market. Just try and make it a film that would be yeah. accessible whether you believe in it or not. And funny, I guess, no matter what your belief system is. Yeah, and I don't think that people who do hold supernatural beliefs, you know, myself included, yeah. want to constantly just feed themselves media that confirms their beliefs as well. Com- completely that, yeah. but that's, I guess, a side point to it. Mm-hmm. Like the, the point I was isolating was there is consideration yes. for marketability. Mm. Understandably as well, mm-hmm. by the way, I'm not criticising this. What I'm saying in this instance, without any critique at all from mm-hmm. my... It's just, this is just an observation, is there is a consideration no matter what your belief system subscribes to, there is a consideration to the business yes. of ghost hunting. Yeah. My overall point is, people that operate in the entertainment world mm-hmm. of ghost hunting, mediumship, all that sort of thing, yeah. have a understandable mm-hmm. and questionable sometimes yeah. adhesion to marketability. Yeah, no, I think, I think you're right in a lot so of So they'll that. do things. Yes. Because that'll get the most hits. Of course. Or because that will yeah. bring the most revenue stream through. Yeah, and that directly translates to, to what I was saying about Facebook live streams and things. A lot of people, although they are passionate about the paranormal, obviously it's their hobby, but also a lot of people who start off as hobbyists then think, okay, I'm, I'm quite developed in the field of, of investigation. I know how my equipment works. I know how to, to work a crowd. So I'll start my own events company Mm. on any size on any level and so from that any live streams or any social media posts relating to their investigations and their hobby then become opportunities for marketing for their later paranormal events that ultimately works as a promotional tool for their events company and of course this is a small section of people who live stream but this is where I think we can find the most interesting points when it comes to questionable ethics. So that's exactly what's happening here. Mm. So in this situation now, yeah. we are doing content that is first available on Patreon, which is behind a paywall. Yeah. Is then going to be available publicly for people. Mm-hmm. And a big part of that is to direct people back to our Patreon yes, pages. Yeah, of course. Where we can make a living and carry on doing stuff. Yeah. So what's the difference in that? Is there even a difference? Yeah, I think I would never criticize anyone for trying to make a living yeah but i think within that smaller field there can be a loss of the self once you start thinking of things in terms of how it impacts your business yes your not credibility necessarily authenticity perhaps a little bit Mm. is compromised it has to be compromised because you will start making decisions on what you do based on your business and Mm -hmm. based on future business Again, all understandable so far. But when you're working within a field Mm -hmm. that is ultimately intangible on most levels and doesn't always beget results, Mm -hmm. I mean, I argue it never gets results. Mm -hmm. But psychics will say it. They don't always come through. You know, all that sort of thing. And it's like, yeah, but they do. (laughs) (laughs) They do always come through, don't they? (laughs) I have never turned on a programme that has a psychic on it mm-hmm. who's announced that, who's then gone, nope, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> what should we do for the rest of the 27 minutes? Because I've got nothing. <laughs> you know, they do always come yes. through. Yeah, 
I suppose, but also from that, I've got to say, just to be the, the devil's advocate. What if the programme's live? Look, then, we'll, then, then what? <laughs> we, we will save that for a later discussion, okay. please, and thank you. <laughs> so what are the issues then? I think like you were asking, the difference between creating content to encourage people to your business is the question of exploitation. Mm. Thankfully, I think we can say that what we do, we've never sat down and gone, oh, I have, I have concerns about the ethics of this, the safeguarding, the the legalities of what we're doing. Whereas when you're wanting to live stream, let's say, let's just use the term ghost hunts. When you're wanting to live stream that multiple times a week to mm. get your hit rate up, even if you had your own big events company, the financial outlay to book venues mm. with the appropriate insurance to do that every week would cost an absolute fortune. It would be unsustainable and therefore not a sustainable promotional tool. Whereas if you think, okay, I can go to a inverted commas public space mm. and conduct my live streams, that's free promotion that may ultimately translate into bookings for my events company, but otherwise would still translate into views and clicks. Essentially filming without a permit. Yes. Yeah. And I, th I think a lot of this, again, doesn't necessarily come from a malicious place, but certainly comes from a place of lack of information and lack of understanding that really no space is truly publicly owned. No, true. Well, and again, with the talk of the mm -hmm. film, I had an official permit to shoot. Mm -hmm. It was drone shots. To, yes. Because you need that. You legally need that. Yeah. They will come after you if you don't have it. Yeah. The environments we were in, mm -hmm. like haunted places, mm -hmm. we had permission to be there and to yes. film that's all fine. Yeah. And there were other bits dotted about mm -hmm. where we just run and gun, you know, yeah. and just shoot and mm -hmm. run away. But there was no ethical question with any of those places. Yeah. I mean, the places that you're talking about, I guess, for live streams or, mm -hmm. or, or their ilk, yeah. are going to be places of mourning. Yes. It's kind of sacred places. Yeah. Or yeah. Churches and burial sites. Places. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so if you're, if you're wanting to get people in to watch your live stream, you need somewhere that looks visually really quite impressive. And so people have, especially over the last few years, when a lot of locations were shut down, mm. people have gone to places, um, burial sites. So, you know, churchyards, churches themselves, cemeteries, graveyards, any variation thereon, believing that these are public spaces and therefore wholly viable and conduct an investigation, conduct a seance in whatever means that they saw fit. And cemeteries aren't public spaces, are they? They're absolutely not public spaces. They no. are always owned and it's an ethical and spiritual minefield. Yeah. There's, there are questions of permission and ownership here. I can say categorically that if you approached any working cemetery, and a lot of the cemeteries that are chosen are, for visual reasons, are 19th century, so they're, they're Victorian cemeteries, and people believe that because of their age, that they are unused, that phrase comes up so often. Right. Whereas really, a lot of these, in particular, cemeteries are owned by charitable trusts mm. and those interments were put there with the belief, especially if we're talking about Anglican and Church of England burials, that they would be in perpetuity burials right. under kind of a sacred obligation that even though they've passed over, that grave is not anyone else's right. for, for messing about with, spiritually yeah. speaking. Yeah. Those cemeteries wouldn't welcome people in with some ghost hunting equipment. Are we about to cross back over into what we were discussing last week? In the, why does ghost hunting mm. get away with this behaviour? Yeah, I think when it comes to live streaming, yeah. and I've spoken to, to several people 
that work in cemeteries all over the UK. And I've spoken to a hell of a lot of ghost hunters as well. And there's a real lack of communication between the two. Right. Live streams from cemeteries are even more on the rise because of the popularity of the paranormal. But there is the concern with heritage sites, cemeteries and so forth, that acknowledgement yeah. would equal encouragement. Got you, okay. So people may stumble across live streams, and many have, and seen calling out to spirits, chucking these cat toys that mm. are flashing LEDs on right. graves, trying to contact the dead, yeah. and seeing a grave of their loved one in the background. Yeah, okay. And no matter what your belief system, if someone was investigating or playing around calling out ghosts on the site of your nana's grave, yeah. if I personally saw that, I would be both heartbroken, I would be furious. Yeah, I'd be violent. Yeah, and I would I would really go down legal I mean, routes. That's a bit of a reward, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, By the way, in terms of loopholes with this, mm-hmm. I think this entire discussion is, has a tacit loophole just over it. Oh, All yeah. the stuff we're talking about is a loophole of mm. what they are doing. Yeah, it's, it, it's it, like a chain. It's all like, this is what yeah. is wrong with this story. Yeah, and this is why they can't address it. Like yeah. I say, with with the acknowledgement does not equal encouragement. So cemeteries will not want to put a social media post out, yeah, an of official course. announcement saying, don't ghost hunt here. Yeah. Because then they'll be concerned that people coming across that announcement will go, oh, there's something to see here. Ghost hunters have been here. Yeah, it, and it's like the whole urban exploring thing or trespassing as it used to be called <laughs> yeah there's like, a real crossover isn't there no but urban yeah. exploring yeah going into places that you're not meant to be in mm-hmm. is trespassing yeah it's not cool hey i'm urban exploring it's not that <laughs> you're trespassing you're somewhere you're not allowed to be and you can't dictate the reasons why yeah. you should be allowed to be there yeah. If somebody else owns that land and says, nobody come in here, yeah. <laughs> doesn't matter what their reasons are, nobody other than the police with a warrant should be going in there. It's not for you to dictate whether you should be allowed to or not. You are not allowed. Yeah, I think that, that entitlement is a real issue. And like you say, urban exploring trespass <laughs> kind of gets a free pass legally a lot of the time. I think within that... Does le- it, though? Well... I think, or is it just that they can't be asked to take them to court? I think it's more that, to be honest. Yeah. But I think within that loophole itself is another one of, well, if people are going into abandoned, built, seemingly abandoned buildings, hunting for ghosts, then that gets a second pass because it's just a bit of fun, isn't it? But there have been some infamous live streams of certain paranormal groups who have broken in houses that are abandoned, I don't know another word for it, that are uninhabited. Derelicts semi-derelict not even completely derelict okay and have broken into these places on live stream in a group all with their matching embroidered fleeces and started conducting their live stream investigation there and then people who were who maybe stumbled across it or maybe the landowner themselves who lives nearby yeah call the authorities and that same team and there have been several instances of this have live streamed the police coming into that location to remove them right. and have used that in itself to sell to sell saying yeah. oh we've got haters people have tried to shut down our investigation you know there have been teams that have live streamed police coming to houses that they've broken into mm. cemeteries and burial grounds that they've gone into after hours yeah and those same people will still get column inches in pseudo spooky women's weeklies right. as experts 
ask the expert. So there's been no... This is a constant problem with the paranormal. Okay. People will publicly and repeatedly break laws and even have CCJs against them right. for financially conning people for okay. paranormal equipment that they, you know, they said they were going to sell. They'll do this again and again, and then they will still get publicity opportunities, whether or not that's through TV, whether or not that's through print media. Mm. But that concerns me because it does seem to be escalating continually. And then from that, we get, you know, the escalation of the ego and these people become mini bad boys or, mm. or infamous figures within the paranormal themselves and get really caught up on their own hype. And so that's when you start getting more investigators now who are dressing like policemen who are going out in stab vests. Right. Yeah, you can still do a headshot. Walkie-talkies. <laughs> <laughs> you said that, not me. Um, with walkie-talkies, yeah. with... With handcuffs. I mean, this is a, that's a microcosm of what's happening in the world full stop. Mm. It's this bizarre, like really bizarre, either championing or publicising inadvertently by quote tweeting or that sort of stuff. Yeah. These villains yeah. and these horrible people, mm. like even quote tweeting something to say, look at this, isn't this yeah. awful? Yeah. Is perpetuating they still... the popularity and perpetuating the clicks. Yeah, and they ultimately in... profit from yeah, it. Yeah, but not even that they profit directly, but certainly mm. people who they would be in the employ of, mm. like say, whatever, BBC or whatever, mm-hmm. would look at that and go, now look how much traction this person's got online. Yeah. And it's like, no, they've got traction for being an absolute monster. Exactly. Like, well, we don't care because it's more clicks and all that. And that, you know, it, it's one of those times where whilst I am more than happy to primarily point the finger at the people mm-hmm. doing live streams and the people. Yeah. It's not, I was going to say essentially, but I mean literally dancing on people's graves. Yeah. They're the baddies, right? Yeah. I'm not saying they're not. But some responsibility mm-hmm. must fall on the people that click and view those videos. It yeah. has to be. If you see one and it's like, oh, I don't, that's horrible, fine. But don't then tweet it and say, exactly. look at this, this is awful. Yeah. Because you just, you're perpetuating exactly. this villainy for profit. I think it, it's important as well for, for anyone who sees these things, who is appalled by them or feels strongly about them, to then just take a look at the wider context of it, of if these people are investigating within, um, say, a cemetery, for example, that is under a trust or private ownership. The temptation then would be, like you say, to retweet it or to contact media yeah. about it and saying this is wrong. Whereas really we need to take into account what the, the landowner or what the, the trust would want because there have been so many instances of people saying this is inappropriate behaviour, this person's awful, this shouldn't be happening here. I'm going to the local paper because I'm so appalled. And so like we've been said, it takes the ball out the, out the court of the people that are suffering, of the people who have families buried in a certain site or the owners of the site themselves mm. it's an awful thing because it sounds like you're being like party pooper you know you know yeah. when, when you're saying these words and it's not as simple as they would describe it to you yeah so they would say to you well what are, oh look police are in now or what what are we actually doing wrong yeah. what this house is done it what are we doing wrong you know that's that's the narrative yeah that will be played back to you it's not true. It's as simple as you are not meant to be there. It might be unsafe. Mm-hmm. It might have already been, been bought and you're causing damage to yes. it. You know, it's some, yeah. it's somebody else's property or in cemeteries and stuff. Because that's people's graves and their relatives may well still be alive and probably are. If you're dangling a crystal 
over a recently filled grave. Yeah, I, I don't know if there will ever be a happy compromise because what one party wants is directly against what well, the other Well, I was going to ask for. you what's your solution to this. If you wave a magic wand, well, yeah. wave a magic wand, you just stop it. But if you were putting <laughs> things into place yes. on how to combat it yeah. or how to snuff it out completely mm-hmm. what would the solution to that be how would you do it i think mm-hmm. my solution to it would be mm-hmm. to convince the audience to stop watching it that's my the only thing i can think of yeah stop employing them on in magazines stop employing yeah. them on tv as talking heads and that mm-hmm. sort of thing and stop watching it yeah there's no fuel in the car yeah if you stop watching it yeah and I th- like you say i don't want to be a party pooper either <laughs> particularly because you know, I do go on paranormal investigations. I do have an interest in it. And I don't want to say, I'm better than all of you because mm. I don't do this. But it is a concern as someone who has worked in cemeteries, who loves cemeteries, and who also loves the paranormal. And I don't want either of those fields to get a bad rap. You know, like well, a... It's self-defeating, it? one. It's, yeah. it's ultimately self-defeating. Because it means that people like me have got far more ammunition... Exactly. ...to shoot down these communities. Yeah. You know, to, this, it means that I've got far more things to say about them saying... Look at what dicks populate this community. Yes. Look at what horrible people yeah. are involved in this. So, so it's ultimately self-defeating because it's yeah. not... You, you are disgracing your community and your family. <laughs> <laughs> and you should be in the chamber yeah. of jail. Would you do that if your mum was here? If your mum was here, would you dangle that Christian? No, you wouldn't, would you not? <laughs> do you know what? That's a weird thing. Because that doesn't apply to me at all. That, that wouldn't work on me. Yeah. I remember, what's your football man? Brian Clough? Yeah. And there was a pitch invasion, and he went and clocked a few lads, like, yeah. like of his own fans, you know, yeah. his own team's fans, because yeah. he was so furious mm-hmm. that they'd gone onto the pitch. And the other, I remember a bit of footage where two of the lads who'd been on the pitch, you know, had mm-hmm. been lamped by him, yeah, had an interview with him, and they were very contrite and stuff. But one of the things he said to them was, he said, "And have you apologised to your mum and dad?" Is what he said, oh. and I thought that was a re- like a really really smart little reframing of what had happened. Mm-hmm. Personalised it, and it made it the the inferences you have brought disgrace on the club and your personal situation. Yeah, and I think if there's a live stream in a cemetery, so what I would ask people to do is if they view that footage and they see that sort of thing, they click on it regularly. When you see that grave and you see that tombstone. Ignore the name that's on it and put your nana's name on it or put your mum's name on it or put yeah. your, do you know what I mean? And and th- and see how how would you feel then? Would yeah. you be cool then? Some people would be like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mum believes in all that as well, we'd have loved it. It's like, yeah, well fine. But yeah. for most decent people yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well I think that's that's it though. It's it's the wider acknowledgement of ethics and belief systems beyond your own. Like we've said before, you can get really giddy and you can get tunnel vision. Whereas if you take a step back and think of the other feelings that could possibly be involved, and certainly the legal implications that could harm you. That's what I think more people need to be aware of. How could this be harmful? And there will be alternatives that doesn't have wider human impact. Right, it's time for our traditional Celebrity Sounds Corner. Say it properly. Celebrity Sounds Corner. Celebrity Sounds Corner. Let's see what other fun we can ruin. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very excited about this week's one. I'm slightly worried about this week's one because I feel like you have nowhere to go after this. I feel like this is the pinnacle of it. 
and you have nowhere beyond this that can ever match it. Also, I kind of have a dog in the fight on this because I know a lot about this one. You'd, I think that's also why I'm so excited about okay, this. Okay, go for it. Because I think we're both coming from a, a similar similar place. Maybe, but I this. think everyone would come from a similar place with this. Yeah. Well, maybe I'm being generous, but I think no matter what your belief system, you would mm-hmm. still have the same human reaction to this. Not certain, but I think. Mm-hmm. Would you like to announce... This week, yeah. we will be discussing the Michael Jackson seance. The Michael Jackson seance, which was a Sky production. Yes. In the year of Michael Jackson's death, it was a couple yeah. of months yeah. after he died. I think he died June-ish. 25th of June, 2009. And this was broadcast... It was a Saturday night, 10pm, yeah. on the 6th of November... 2009 on Sky One. So can I put a couple of things on the record that I think a lot of people don't know? Okay. It was the third show Mm -hmm. in three shows. It was two documentary shows Mm -hmm. where the presenter of the seance as well, June Sarpong. Mm -hmm. I know June a little bit. Yeah. But I didn't know her at the time of the Michael Jackson seance. Yes. (laughs) Otherwise, she would have been getting a lot of late night phone calls. (laughs) (laughs) Going, what are you doing? (laughs) Now, she did two documentaries, well, mm-hmm. or two shows that were taken were a documentary, a lot mm-hmm. of filming, and she was living in America, so she interviewed Michael Jackson's family. The whole thing was sold to her mm. as a credible piece of journalism. Yes. At no point, according to June, mm-hmm. at no point in her taking this job was a seance mentioned. Well, that's our first tick on the exploitation wheel, yeah, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. In fact, according to June... <laughs> Mm. The way she told me, it sounded like she was told in the rehearsal <laughs> for the live broadcast. Yeah. It was like, oh, and Derek Akur is here as well. Like, oh, like, like, it, like it was set up like that. Yeah. So she didn't really know what was going on there. So that's what I will say in her defence mm-hmm. of that situation. The things that she yeah. says in the show, big fan of Michael Jackson, absolutely true, but thought she was doing... Yeah. A credible yeah. piece of journalism. I, I do think that of, of all the players within yeah. the Michael Jackson seance, she's the one that comes out of it the most unscathed. Well, she was certainly the one that came out of it the most financially rewarded. Yeah. <laughs> Again, according to what she said, <laughs> it paid for a very nice kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> but everyone who was on that show was financially rewarded quite highly. Yes. A- according to what June told me. So. Yes. So these are little things that you wouldn't know just from watching it on YouTube. Yeah. And by the way, at some point, I think we said we're going to do a commentary of that. It's on YouTube at the moment. Mm -hmm. I think it's been there for a while, so it might stay. Yeah. It's about 45 minutes long. Mm -hmm. And I think it's worth you hearing, certainly me, watching that programme. And you might just hear me slowly getting through a bottle of wine next to him. So that'll be a lovely listen-along for everyone involved. Okay, so what what would you like to say about it? Well... Like for, for all, for, <laughs> Sorry, I really don't know. It's so overwhelming. For all the knocking that we might do of this programme, yeah. it was the highest rated show on Sky that year. Yeah, it had a reported audience of in excess of 600,000. Yeah, okay. I mean, you couldn't take your eyes off it. So what makes a good programme? Yeah. <laughs> Again, going back to what we were talking about before, the viewers, in, of which I include myself, because I did watch it when it yeah. was on, it was on live, mm. uh, are complicit in this. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah. Same. By supporting yeah. it, by you know, by making it a thing, mm-hmm. it should be like I'm not watching and trying to contact the dead of someone who's only just died. I'm not watching that. But it was. It was like I'm watching that. <laughs> I want to see what happens there. The Michael Jackson seance, and also it's Derek Akora who has a habit of doing voices. Yeah, and much like the Diana seance yeah. of a few weeks ago, the context and the the goings on outside of the seance yeah. are arguably 
slightly more interesting than the seance itself because this was broadcast not too long after Derek Okora was was ousted from Most Haunted. Oh, is that right? Now, so he was. What was the reasoning? He thought that Most Haunted was a long-running TV show, yeah, really ghost haunted show, tremendously successful. Yeah, Okora was a big part of that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was ultimately let go? Was he fired? What was it? I, it's very muddy. I don't want to say either way. I think it was a case of he voluntarily left. Okay. But under a lot of pressure, both public and from within the company, I think. Was it, yeah. So was it to do with issues with his performance, with his credibility? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Questionable contacting of spirits that had kind of been set up. And how long had Most Haunted been going when they realised? <laughs> oh, years down the line this was. <laughs> I mean, isn't that a weird situation? Yeah. I remember when I was sacked off Deal or No Deal for being the warm-up on that. And the, the reason they cited me being sacked mm-hmm. was because I passed somebody, an audience member's sandwiches that yeah. they had in their bag. I passed them around the audience. That was the actual reason they gave me being sacked, which I did. That's true, I did do that. Yeah. On my first show. Yeah. I never did it subsequently. I wasn't told not, so I just didn't. It was yeah. just a thing that happened in the room. And I think I carried on working there for several months after yeah. that. So I would apply the same logic to that. If they go, well, we're going to let Derek go because, do you know what? We actually think he might not be talking to the dead here. <laughs> <laughs> Seems to be like, come on, you didn't think he was, did you? All that? Surely you knew all that time. <laughs> That's like trying to find yeah. a reason. Like he passed everyone's sandwiches around, and yeah. that's what that is. Yeah. It's finding a thing. That but you again, could. he was a huge public figure. He's 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 gone now, but yeah. he was as famous, if not more so, than Yvette Fielding. So there's another problem in discussing this: is okay. that a lot of people on this program are now dead. In yes. Way. So yeah. and I've always been brought up to never speak ill of the dead. That's how yeah, I've been same, brought up. Same. However, <laughs> <laughs> there's a quandary with this. Yeah. Because I think there are some pretty unforgivable yeah. aspects to is, this show. Is that quandary spelled David Guest? David Guest is on the show. Yes. I Again, when I spoke to Jun Sarpong about this, mm-hmm. I put it to her that I felt he was there to validate the whole thing. There's someone yeah. who was known to, to be a friend of Michael Jackson, of which I have no reason to question that they were friends. Yeah, same. They'd yeah. known each other for many, many years. That mm-hmm. was that much was true, certainly. Yeah. Although Michael Jackson's another one of those celebrities where you're like, I've got about four friends, me, and I struggle to maintain those friendships. Oh, same, yeah. Michael Jackson appeared to have four million friends, mm. <laughs> close personal friends. Yeah. And I also have that feeling of, if any of my four friends were going on programmes telling people what I said privately about anything, I'd be like, please don't do that. Yeah. Please stop doing that. Yeah. Unless they weren't actually friends. Yeah. I'm looking at you, UG. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's the issue with David mm-hmm. Guest. David Guest was there to validate it. Yeah. And I would say he didn't really share too much. He that... was paid a fortune. Yeah. I put it to June that if he didn't done that unpaid, mm. I would have had less issue with it. I'm not going to say that in the Michael Jackson seance, he comes across as the villain. He doesn't. He comes across as, let's say, a character. Yeah, okay. Um, because his opening gambit to poor June yeah. was, you have the most beautiful lips and most beautiful white teeth. <laughs> she does, though. At a seance for your dead friend, you're just going to come on to the host. A seance where the host didn't even know it was going to be a seance. 
the host has been conned into hosting it. Um, again, this is the last time I'll sort of name drop June Sarpong, but her take on this whole thing yeah. is one of laughter. Is one of she oh, finds good. it tremendously amusing. That's reassuring. She's not troubled by yeah, it. Yeah, like yeah. That, that would know. be my my only concern is that she'd look at it as a, a like a black spot no, on her career. She, no, she finds it really funny. See, that's I think that's the best way but to, there's a quandary with that as well isn't there of course yeah of course because then david guest goes on to say that apropos of nothing this is the strangest introduction yeah. that david guest has little people on stage with him as they bring me luck i believe in leprechauns too he does david guest may he rest in peace <laughs> does did have little people when he went on stage for luck <laughs> I mean, if we're going to talk about exploitation... (laughs) I mean, it might have been good he went when he did. Because I'd have hated to have seen the fallout of that. Yeah. And where'd you go? Where'd you go from that? So this seance took place in Ireland. Yeah. At this this enormous estate that I'm going to struggle to pronounce called Ballinacura House. Oh, dear. Which is in County Cork. Mm -hmm. And this was the place where Michael Jackson stayed for a few months and he wrote his last album. Yeah. And they did the seance in the room where he spent most of his time writing this album. Yeah. And this was in like 2006, 2007. The production went round the local community, the local shops with a camera, asking people for their reminiscences. Yeah. And so, of course, we'll have such profound stop-offs as a bowling alley. Yeah, where they kept the shoes that he They wore. kept the shoes that I mean, Michael I bet Jackson I they've not got them now. <laughs> Straight on I bet eBay. They yeah, absolutely. <laughs> There's just so many wonderful lines where you can tell that June is... She's really doing her best, but to cut away from this bloke saying these are Michael Jackson's bowling shoes, she goes, wow, bowling. Did you know about this, David? As if it's a completely new concept. <laughs> like, I mean, in fairness to June, I mean, she is a great journalist. Like She re- actually yeah, is in yeah, real yeah. life. Yeah, she is. A great journalist, and she's really good at finding a story and of interpreting the story and putting her own opinions into things in a very credible way and the rest of it. But I do think that was the wrong question about Michael <laughs> Jackson to then add to it, did you know about this? Yeah, well, you know what? I don't think it should have been bowling. <laughs> he should have been asking oh, people, God. did they know about... <laughs> right, so bowling, so bowling. David, um... did you know about this? <laughs> not bowling, not bothered about bowling. <laughs> Well, David did know about bowling. Yes. But also the owner of the mansion said that Michael Jackson asked to keep all the lights on. And he wondered why. So he peeked through the hedge late at night and saw Michael Jackson moonwalking in the moonlight. (laughs) Which is the... (laughs) No, he didn't. (laughs) Didn't see that. (laughs) He didn't see that at all. That's a lie. Yeah. He might have seen Michael Jackson in a bit of open space having a bit of a dance. Yeah. But I don't believe that Michael Jackson (laughs) crept out in the middle of the night so he could moonwalk in the courtyard. That reeks to me as a story that somebody who had never met Michael Jackson would say. And he had a sparkly glove on. But um, the seance kind of starts with David Guest coming in again, saying that he'd spoken to Michael Jackson's family. He'd been over in America speaking to them, saying that he'd spoken to Michael's mother. But David acknowledges that his mother was not a fan. Yeah. He was he was very tactful with saying it, so I'd he like kind, to know the real kind of story. Over it a bit, yeah, but where, she wasn't keen. Yeah, what? whereas uh, Tito says good luck. Yeah, but it could have been yeah, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> good luck, you parasitic little bug. <laughs> could have been said like that, couldn't it? Yeah, yeah. 
Well, I wouldn't say that because I don't wish to speak ill of the dead. Of course not. Of course not. <laughs> so, the seance begins. Mm. The players. Yeah. We have four fans. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. now, can I just say about these fans? Yes. Can we keep, even though this is on YouTube and you can go and watch it, I'm sure yes. many people will. Mm-hmm. Can we keep our discussion on them to a minimum? Yes. In terms of who they are, what they are, yeah. all that sort of thing. Because I do have, for all the messing about, mm-hmm. I have like kind of strong feelings about that. No, same. That's why I'm deliberately not giving names. Yeah. And I think we have some important points yeah. to make about the treatment of these fans, who are all clearly devoted Michael Jackson well, fans. Uh, arguably unwell, some of them. Yes. Arguably yeah. very distressed, as you would be when someone that yeah. you love that much is away. Yeah. No matter which way you look at it, and no matter how entertaining the programme is and all the rest of it, I think sheer unarguable exploitation. Yes. I feel like there are certain points during that seance where production panic a bit. <laughs> yeah. When they realise quite how upset and out of con- emotionally out of control yeah. these people are getting. Yeah. And it's because they're being prompted to be mm. but they don't seem to be able to yeah. bring them back down it's it's their kind of their devotion and their grief that mm. were meant to kind of give credence and give good tv reactions yeah they've mentioned in the broadcast that there was a, a man there to make sure that everyone was all right yeah so to do a bit He's of the villain. rudimentary safeguarding yeah this person is a parapsychologist Boo. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> when i watch it that's what i do when he comes on I don't even know when a chorus comes on. He's the one that I think is the real snake in that. I I categorically have no idea why he was there. He sits on what looks like a lifeguard's chair during the seance and says about two lines of, well, Derek, what about the hat? Yeah, because they've got a hat in the middle of the table. That was Michael Jackson's hat. Which they all fondled at some point. Yeah. Yeah, he's... uh, Again, let's not let's not even say his name because I don't no. want to. You know, I, I, I'm I'm judging him on 45 minutes of television, so I don't know yes. him yeah. in real life or anything about him or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I didn't like the role he appeared to be playing on that, which is one of looking after people because yeah. he didn't look after nobody on that show. Yeah, but the seance itself. So yeah. Derek Akora leads the seance, and he says the immortal line that all of these uh, mediums say during televised seances that you can't guarantee a connection. Yeah. Um, but also that he wants to protect the people who were sat around the seance of any spirits that would want to dishevel them. Yeah. So interpret that as you wish. Um, but to kind of bring about Michael's spirit from the already very energised ether, they have his latest CD and, like you said, his hat yeah. that everyone then fondles. And Derek gets a particularly powerful psychic connection with the hat well i said earlier on they always come through oh yeah they always do because yeah. what would have happened on that program do you know the one question i've never asked jean sarpong and i really probably should mm-hmm. what was the contingency plan as the host she would know this mm-hmm. if i said to her what was the contingency plan mm. if michael jackson hadn't come through you were on live television yeah what would you have done? I would love to know. I'm that. confident that there wasn't one. Yeah. Same for any this. live paranormal They all though. knew what was happening. Yeah. I think. I mean, the way June speaks about it now, it was clear that there was nothing credible yes. going on yeah. at all. And again, all fine and good as an entertainment piece, mm-hmm. but not when you've got four kids there yeah. who are absolutely devastated. Yes. Who you are convincing that person is in the room with them now. Yeah. That's horrible. Derek was very much a channeling medium, so he wasn't so much passing messages on. He kind of had this clairvoyance so he could see 
in his mind's eye what Michael yeah. was doing via his spirit guide, Sam, but he also sort of channeled Michael himself. So from the hat onwards, which, which began with, oh, I'm seeing very lofty, I'm seeing the hat thrown in the air and coming down like a falling star. That was a bit daft. From that to him saying, will someone say hello to Quincy Jones for me? It's, yeah. It was a very quick the, jump off. The way, the way he discusses that hat mm. <laughs> it's again... But what he says was, he said, I'm getting a feeling from this hat. I feel like it should be in the air. I don't know why I'm feeling that. Yeah. It feels like it should be thrown. I don't know why I'm feeling that. <laughs> it's like, well, what do you do? <laughs> of course you know why you're feeling that. Because Michael Jackson threw the hat. Look, that was a thing he did. It was... <laughs> of course you know why. Yeah. So it's the pretense mm-hmm. that you don't know why yes. that's making it not credible. And yes. the other thing that we don't yeah. see, and this is going to sound like I'm doing a bit, but this is actually true. Yes. Okay. We don't see the moment he makes the connection with Michael Jackson, supposedly. No. It's during an ad break. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> in a live show. Yeah. And they show a bit of it. Yeah. When they come back. But I'm pretty sure in the broadcast, mm-hmm. they don't say it. Maybe they do. I might be wrong. But mm-hmm. again, this has come from June. Mm-hmm. That when he made the connection... Mm-hmm. I promise this is true. Okay, okay. When he made the connection... Michael Jackson said he was with Elvis. Oh my God! No. <laughs> right. I've not added that no. in just so I can do simply the King. Right, but I'm going to. Of course you are. But... Of course you are. <laughs> <laughs> Never doubted that for a second. No, but he's just sat there with Elvis in the room. And what are you talking to him about? We're having a very big discussion at the moment <laughs> about this King thing. <laughs> king of pop, apparently. There's only one King. And by the way, can someone say hello to Simply for me? <laughs> i got a feeling he's got no food in that cellar. There's a little gap underneath the floor. You can push through a source of water. <laughs> yeah, mm. apparently that was the case. Yeah. Uh, but I can't remember if it was actually in the broadcast or not. It wasn't. Was it I, I, I can tell you one thing. I would have remembered that. Well, June told me that. When he first made contact, yeah. he was with Elvis. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Maybe it was a production decision to go, don't put that in. Because they did say... (laughs) Don't, it's gone too far. (laughs) They did say they'd do recaps if anything happened during the advert. Oh, they showed a bit of it, but I think that must have been just slightly after it. Yeah, oh, gutted. Um, Yeah, apparently that did happen. Well, ultimately, at at the seance, the very helpful parapsychologist on the lifeguards chair said, you know, would the fans like to ask Michael Jackson, who was, at this point, in Derek, for all intents and purposes... You know, would they I mean, like it, to ask it's him? It's an any improvement. <laughs> oh God! It's not would they, okay, would it's they an like to ask Michael any questions? Yeah. And this is where total mood killer. This is where we get a circle of deeply upset people yeah. crying, saying, "Michael, do you know how much I love you? Michael, yeah. do you know how much I love you?" Michael via Derek for the remainder of the seance yeah. just says a lot of stuff about love. Yeah. Just saying, love and sensitivity oozes from you. And he uses the word oozes. Well, I don't know if Michael Jackson used the word oozes. I don't know if that was one of his vocal tics or not. I've got no idea. But, again, when you watch that programme, and I'd implore people to watch it, really, Mm. on YouTube and stuff. I I think it's an interesting thing to watch. This flies in the face of what I said before about just don't watch the stuff. Yeah. You know, this is made, happened, and... Yeah. They're not going to do another one. Yeah. <laughs> so you go through an interesting roller coaster. I certainly did of emotions with that program, between finding it tremendously funny, and then there's a moment where the rug is just pulled from you. Yeah. Completely. Not because you feel like Michael Jackson's there or anything like that. But when you see the distress, and it is awful. But if you just 
as an experiment, because I've done this before watching it, watch it and then forget Michael Jackson completely. Mm. So all you've got to concentrate on is four strangers and Derek Akora. Yeah. So forget that he's channeling Michael Jackson. Mm. Forget the ghost part of it. That's what I mean by things getting a pass. Yes. Yeah. Forget that and then watch it and watch how sinister it is. Watch how sinister it is that this man, who's a stranger to these young people, they are, you know, they're not like yeah. children, but they're, I don't know, call them kids, but I mean that as in they're, they're youngsters, they're younger. Yeah, like in the 20s. Yeah. yeah. Holding hands with them, mm. touching them, lots of, yeah. you know. Giving a, them messages of, of love and respect that, and support. Looking right yeah. in their eyes and saying stuff. And it's yeah. Like, it takes on a really sinister undertone. It really does. Well, it's like we, we said earlier, you know, you can be discussing fantastical things and not believe in their legitimacy. But when you can see there is real moral and emotional damage being done, yeah. that's when you can say, okay, I might not believe in ghosts, but that is very much real. And if that is come and get the water in about 30 seconds, then there's a chain you can pull. <laughs> <laughs> you pull the chain and then it's linked to the ring around his neck. Oh, God. <laughs> and it will pull him towards the door. And even if it's very weak, he'll still lap up the water. <laughs> And you just say to him, simply, the king's thinking of you. The actual king, not the king of pop. <laughs> <laughs> and then the seance, if we go back to it, comes to an end. Yes, Michael, I know how to spell love. <laughs> <laughs> you know that every time you say love, say L-O-V-E, I know. <laughs> of all the cul-de-sacs in heaven to be put in. <laughs> they put me next door to this monster. <laughs> we have nothing in common. Actually, we do. Oh, God. Yeah, go on. Yeah, so the, the seance the seance comes to an end. Quite an abrupt end. Very abrupt end, because yeah. uh, the lifeguard psychologist just says, can you wrap it up, Derek? And it seem- he walks over and taps him on the shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> like the dance competition in Greece. Yeah. <laughs> there we go, episode five of Loopholes. Another one with little serious undertones. Mm. That's okay, it's allowed. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Do you want to do your... Actually, there's no point in doing the contact details. Just as always, leave comments on my Patreon. That's that's the best place to leave them. Just please, look. Comments on my Patreon post. Patreon.com forward slash burials and beyond. It's lovely. You've already got people on there. The water's great. You've got people on there and they are not doing... Like my patrons, (laughs) absolutely. They're leaving all the comments. They're joining in. Your ones aren't. I don't know what you should do to keep them in check. Well, look, I've got look, no idea. Just, just can, can I nick a few more of yours? <laughs> Come on over. The it's great. That you've had off mine, they're, they're trying to I know. Keep, more to keep of that, please. Going. Problem, I'll tell you what the problem is. What? You've got that many dinner ladies on there. Oh, I do not. Don't you dare. I do not attract dinner ladies. You've got some. What are the contact details? Please, please get in touch. If you see fit, you can get in touch via the comments on either of our Patreons, patreon.com forward slash burials and beyond and his one, or you can like and follow us and message us on all of these social media platforms. On Facebook, we are Loopholes Podcast. On Instagram, we are Loopholes Pod. On Twitter, we are Loopholes Pod. And if you want to send us an email, you can do so at loopholespodcast at gmail.com. Spent an entire episode subliminally telling people to not use social media and then put out all our yeah. social media in it. <laughs> we really need to think about this, don't we? Thanks for joining us. I've been Dr. Ian Bosworth. And I've been Kate, the other one. See you next week. Bye. Loopholes is an infinite hermit production in association with Burials and Beyond with Kate Cheryl 
and Ian Boldsworth. Music by Thomas Thunderay, produced by Ian Boldsworth. Mm-hmm.